Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's show is all about histamine intolerance. So if you are sick and tired of feeling sick and tired and you've tried everything and nothing has worked for you, it could be that you have histamine intolerance and nobody has figured that out. I'm very excited to have Dr. Janice Joneja on my show today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Janeja holds a PhD in medical microbiology and immunology. She's a registered dietitian in Canada and a member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics in the USA. She's held faculty positions at several universities, including the University of British Columbia, and for 13 years she was head of the Allergy Nutrition Clinic at the Vancouver Hospital and Health Sciences Center. She has authored eight books and dietetic practice manuals on food allergy. Her work has been published in peer-reviewed scientific and medical journals, as well as in popular magazines. She is a respected lecturer at universities, colleges, and hospitals internationally, and regularly appears on TV and radio call-in shows as an expert in her field. Dr. Joneja, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. So I guess really the first question is, what is histamine? Because when I bring this topic up with some of my patients at my private practice at Functional Medicine Ontario, they're like, well, okay, first of all, Dr. Carey, what is histamine? (laughs) So let's start there. Well, uh, it depends where you want to start with histamine. One can write a book on it, which in fact I'm doing, but histamine is a very, very important chemical in the body. Um, It is very important for a number of functions. Um, the, The one function that most people know about when we talk about histamine is allergy, because histamine is an extremely important uh, protective chemical that is released whenever the body is under threat. Uh, inflammation, a variety of insult, the infection, um, whatever is going on in the body that could be um, life-threatening, if you like, um, histamine is released. And it's also released in allergy, where people would be far more familiar with the symptoms. Um, the symptoms of allergy are principally due to an excess, a large amount of histamine being released. So we can say its first function is protection. It's also needed uh, for digestion. It's released as soon as you start to eat because it's very important in making sure that there's enough acid in the stomach to start the process of protein digestion. So it's an important 
mediator in digestion. And another extremely important function for histamine is as a neurotransmitter. That means it's very important in the nervous system to transmit signals between cells. And so we've got all these very, very important functions for histamine. But where we see it being a problem is when there's too much of it. And that's what we see, uh, for example, in allergy. And as we shall see when we talk about it, a bit more in histamine intolerance when there's in fact too much and it's uh, doing things that we don't want the body to do at that time. Okay so again histamine is protective it's generated by the immune system and we need it to help also with digestion and it's it's a neurotransmitter as well. That's correct. Okay so then what is histamine intolerance? Well that's when we are going into the uh, um, Uh, levels of histamine when it's doing its job perfectly and it's not overdoing things you would be not aware that it's actually functioning however there are certain conditions in which too much histamine is going around the body and it's now causing a problem and the problem as we can see it in allergy where it's released in large quantities very quickly is all of these symptoms that we associate with allergy and then we call it histamine intolerance for the simple reason that the histamine has exceeded has become too much for the body to handle which means that Uh, In fact, um, the body's way of keeping the um, histamine at its normal level is to break down the excess. But if there's too much of the histamine for the body to keep up with, then we get uh, this excess histamine uh, causing problems and this breakdown is due to certain enzyme systems. Enzymes are the uh, chemicals that mediate the functions within the body Um, and if the amount of histamine exceeds the ability of the enzymes to break it down fast enough, it reaches a high level and we get all the symptoms that we would associate with allergy. And the problem being for people who are experiencing this is that they are assuming that they have an allergy. And often it's, oh, I have a food allergy uh, because nothing else seems to be um, uh, um, being a a problem for them. Um, And so they look into the possibility that they have allergy. They go for allergy tests. They are told that everything is normal, you don't have allergy, and they're at a complete loss as to uh, in explaining why they seem to have all these allergic symptoms, and yet they're being told that, no, we don't have an al- you don't have an allergy. So we label this histamine intolerance, not histamine allergy, histamine intolerance, because what we are actually saying is that your body cannot deal with that level of histamine. Okay, so for our listeners out there that have um, complex illnesses, you know, I heard recently, uh, Dr. Janice, that the average 
patient that sees a functional medicine doctor, they have at least six diagnoses and at least 30 different symptoms. Does that mm-hmm. maybe fit a histamine intolerance? Picture? It certainly <laughs> might, because the symptoms of excess histamine cover just about every organ system in the body. And so, yes, very often we're dealing with people who have multiple symptoms with no explainable cause, and uh, they're at a loss as to how to to manage this. Yeah. I know. So, uh, yeah, for a lot of patients out there, like they've they've seen a lot of doctors, they've seen the specialists, they've seen naturopaths, they've tried this, they've tried that, and they're just not getting better. So, what are some of the symptoms that are really key? for us to think, okay, maybe this is actually histamine intolerance? Mm. Well, let's go through them uh, in in sort of the order that people may be aware because the first thing um, we see with histamine is very often, frequently, itching. Skin, eyes, ears, nose seem to itch for no particular reason and they've looked at allergies. No, that's not a problem. Some people break out in hives, which can, of course, be itchy. Uh-huh. Those are those patches that are red and um, they seem to appear and disappear in various sites throughout the body. Now, there's another uh, situation in the skin that we call angioedema. This is really hives in the deeper tissues where we get swelling. Um, So the swelling and the uh, reddening and the itching um, may be um, a result of of histamine being released in the skin. Now, another uh, symptom which often becomes very um, frightening for some people, histamine causes a drop in blood pressure. We can, uh, we'll talk about the causes of uh, why and how this happens. But um, because of the widening of the blood vessels, the heart um, has to, um, uh, finds that there's less pressure uh, going through these widened blood vessels. So there's a drop in blood pressure, not a rise, a drop. And as a result, the heart sees, oh dear, we're not getting as much um, blood through the body, we'd better speed up. So the heart speeds up. So very often there's a, an increase in heart rate. Although the blood pressure drops, the increase in heart rate can be quite frightening for people. It's what we call a tachycardia. So um, this sometimes, and in some of my patients I've seen this, to actually escalate into symptoms that mimic a, an anxiety or panic attack. And that may even go as far as a chest pain. And people may be thinking, oh, I'm getting a a heart attack. But no, it's just excess histamine. And then the typical symptom of uh, allergy, which is nasal congestion, the stuffy nose, a runny nose. Um, This is because fluid is moving from the blood vessels into the tissues and um, is making a a sort of um, a congestion within Um, certain organs. Um, The irritated, watery, reddened eyes that we call conjunctivitis or rhinoconjunctivitis, which people with hay fever are very, very familiar with, um, that is due to histamine excess, headaches. And then this, because of it being a neurotransmitter, we see fatigue, uh, confusion, a sort of irritability, um, uh, that is because of its role in in the nervous system. 
And I have had patients who have actually, in extreme cases, lost consciousness, perhaps for two or three seconds, very briefly, very briefly. Uh, And that can be due to histamine intolerance. And then we get, because of its function in the digestive tract, we get symptoms similar to heartburn, indigestion, reflux, because of the excess acid that results in the stomach as um, as the histamine rises. So we can have all these diverse symptoms throughout the body just because we've got too much histamine. And so then would you say, Dr. Janice, that in a patient that has histamine intolerance, they're not going to have all these symptoms, but they might have oh, no. a few mm-hmm. of them. And, and a few of them on different occasions. Yeah, and, and I... I think, too, that a lot of people over time, they get used to their symptoms and, and they just think it's normal for them, like the runny nose yeah. or the itchy, watery eyes, like it's just yeah. normal for them. <laughs> and, oh, and so they don't recognize it. Or, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my ears are itching. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Oh, and I've got heartburn and, you know, that sort of, uh, oh, well, I knew, I know that. It's too due to too much acid, but one has to look at why are you having too much acid? Yeah. Okay, so now that we have a better idea of what are the symptoms of histamine intolerance, now what really causes histamine intolerance? Well, that's, uh, this is one of the um, questions that are, uh, we're looking at very carefully because um, what we would normally see is histamine being kept at a, um, the level that would not produce symptoms. And some people, and this is, can be an inherited characteristic, don't produce sufficient enzyme to break down histamine as it's being produced normally within the body. So this most important enzyme is called diamine oxidase. There's another one which is called histamine N-methyltransferase, but that's not as important as diamine oxidase in breaking down the excess Histamine N-methyltransferase does have a number of functions, one of which is breaking down excess histamine, but certainly not to the extent of the diamine oxidase. So we're looking, first of all, at people who are perhaps producing insufficient diamine oxidase as a result of um, an inherited characteristic. So that's genetic. We then move on to the people who are producing a great deal more histamine than the body needs. We see this in allergy, where I don't have to sort of explain to people uh, who have allergies what happens is they're exposed to their pollens, the animal dander, and they have respiratory allergies. They're producing a lot of histamine, far more than the body can cope with. Or people who have food allergies, and again, they're producing too much histamine. Uh, So allergy is the next one. The next one on the list would be people with chronic inflammatory conditions. Now, inflammation is always going to produce histamine, and these inflammatory conditions could be anywhere in the body. They could be, um, for example, chronic uh, rheumatoid arthritis. They've got chronic inflammation, so they've got a chronic release of too much histamine. Uh, Then there's the group that we're looking at uh, very closely now. The new research is looking at what we call mast cell activation disorders. Now, this is where people 
produce too many mast cells. Now, mast cells are the cells that actually make histamine in the body and store it. So, all these mast cells are within the tissues throughout our body, waiting there to protect us. This is their function. They want to protect us. But in certain conditions um, that are diagnosed by medical tests, of course, uh, a person may be making too many mast cells, and so they're producing too much histamine. So anything that triggers the release of that histamine from the mast cells is going to um, actually result in far, far too much histamine. So we've got this whole group of people who have mast cell activation disorder, and that will lead to excess histamine beyond which the their own enzymes, which may be produced at a completely normal level, but because they're producing far too much histamine, it just can't cope. And so they're dealing with a lot of the symptoms of histamine excess, or we, we call it histamine intolerance or histamine sensitivity. And then would you also say that um, there are certain foods that are high in histamine and uh, some of the diets out there that are popular right now are actually high histamine diets. And exactly, when, and when, yes. And when patients go on these diets and they're like, I don't feel better, I actually feel worse. It could be you have a histamine intolerance. In fact, a person with perfectly normal histamine levels and perfectly normal enzymes can exceed their uh, in enzymes. I mean, enzymes only have a certain level at which they can function. If they're overwhelmed, uh, they just simply can't uh, deal with the excess. And uh, histamine can come from our foods. And a person who is perfectly normal in every other way can actually exceed their uh, enzymes capacity to break down the excess. So if we look at this in a, a simplistic way, we all have a certain level of histamine in our bodies that we require for all these functions, these very important functions that I mentioned. But it's like filling up a bucket with water. I used this simile um, uh, oh, years and years ago, and a lot of people have been using it ever since, to explain why a person can exceed their level of um, normal level of histamine. And what we do is to look at all the ways that the body is um, actually producing too much histamine. So let's say a person has an allergy. That histamine bucket, like filling up a bucket with water, it, we put more histamine into the bucket. So the level rises. And then um, there may be a, um, uh, that this person is eating a very high histamine. I'll give you one example of a very high histamine meal, which a lot of pers people love, which would be, let's look at a pepperoni, pizza, and a couple of glasses of wine or beer. Now, we look at all the uh, um, um, constituents of the pizza. We've got tomatoes, which release histamine. We've got cheese, which contains histamine. We've got pepperoni, which contains histamine. And then we add on top of all that, the beer or wine, which again contains histamine. So you can see how this level in the bucket is rising at each additional um, 
uh, amount of histamine. And so when that bucket overflows, that's when the body has exceeded the ability of the enzyme to break down the excess and a person ex- uh, uh, experiences any or all of the symptoms that I've listed. Dr. Janice, um, can you give us an example of a meal um, that uh, somebody who's trying to eat a healthy diet would, you know, as an example, would have be high in histamine as opposed to uh, pepperoni pizza and a couple of beers? <laughs> you know, That's you know, to make it, usually, <laughs> <laughs> now just to make it more like realistic for our listeners, they don't eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet they do on occasion. I mean, I do on occasion. <laughs> no, we have to look at the types of foods that have high histamine. Uh, the first we could look at would be the fermented foods. Mm-hmm. Whenever microorganisms are breaking down proteins. Histidine is an amino acid that is part of a protein, and that histidine will be converted to histamine when bacterial enzymes start acting on it. So anything that is fermented will contain a certain level of histamine. And that means, for example, a person can drink milk with no problem whatsoever, but if they start to consume a lot of cheese, yogurt, uh, any any of the fermented milk products, there they're consuming more histamine. Uh, as I said about the fermented sausages, the meat is okay, but when you start to ferment it, then you've got histamine. Even vegetables are great as long as they are not overripe because as soon as they get overripe, the bacteria start converting histidine to histamine. And uh, pickled or um, vegetables such as sauerkraut, for example, where the bacteria are acting uh, on the food, there we've got the release of histamine. So fermentation, a very important level. Certain foods themselves contain histamine naturally. Um, examples of the, these are veg, uh, fruits actually more than vegetables. As they're ripening, sometimes will need histamine in the ripening process. For example, tomatoes are, uh, um, can be high in histamine as they ripen. The green tomatoes are fine, but as they ripen and go red, then we've got histamine. There are other vegetables such as eggplants, um, uh, the um, certain fruits, for example, contain more histamine than others. The uh, citrus fruits uh, are one of those. Um, I've got lists of these, of course, in all my publications, so people can go to those sources to to find out the foods that are high in histamine. Uh, Again, anything um, that is... um, exposed to microorganisms that will uh, start to act on proteins will um, convert the histidine to histamine and an example of that would be fish. Fish that is freshly caught and gutted has no histamine. You smell a fresh fish, it doesn't smell like fish but if you leave it to hang around for a while then the bacteria in the gut of the fish will start to act on the protein and convert the histidine to histamine so that's an important 
consideration for people with histamine intolerance. Make sure that the fresh fish is freshly caught and gutted or immediately frozen. Do not eat shellfish because we don't gut shellfish and often they're hanging around on ice, for example. That's not cold enough to stop bacteria from acting on the flesh. So uh, shellfish is another source of histamine. And then at the Another addition to the list would be certain food additives that actually act in the body and can release histamine. These are principally benzoates. They are used as additives in certain foods, as preservatives. Tartrazine, which is a yellow dye, uh, a color which is used a lot in foods, uh, um, uh, foods and medications, um, and sulfites. These are additives that can release histamine and, again, can contribute to the histamine level in the body. Okay, so for our listeners out there, they might be really struggling right now of thinking like, well, what the heck can I eat? A lot. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it goes back to this whole concept of if you're eating a healthy diet, but you're not getting better, your symptoms are not getting better, maybe they're even getting worse, there's something going wrong, and it could be that it's a histamine intolerance. So, Dr. Janice, is there a way to diagnose histamine intolerance? Do we just, like, do a trial of antihistamine medications for a couple of weeks, and if the patient gets better, then we think, oh, maybe they have histamine intolerance, or... Yes, that, that is our principal problem at the moment, is diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Because there are, as I explained earlier, there are a lot of sources mm-hmm. of the excess histamine. And first and foremost, we have to consider where is the histamine coming from. Yeah. So, uh, is it coming from, for example, we'd be looking at mast cell activation factors. Uh, so, are we looking at a person who's actually got mast cell activation disease, uh, um, dysfunction? There, there's one that needs to be diagnosed. We've got very specific tests for that. The next one, of course, is allergy. Are are we dealing with an allergic condition? Let's look at that. Um, Intolerance, intolerance to food additives. There's another one. So these are diagnoses separate and distinct from uh, histamine intolerance as a result of um, an enzyme deficiency. So... um, Let's look at the underlying factors and make sure that they have been ruled out before we just look at um, histamine and and try to um, manage that on its own. Some laboratories offer testing for the levels of diamine oxidase in a person's system. Now, this is not on its own diagnostic of histamine intolerance. It just means a person is perhaps not producing quite enough diamine oxidase, but doesn't give us the um, actual measurement. We have no uh, what we would call reference ranges at the moment because we don't know how that translates into clinical symptoms yet. Uh, One can measure the amount of histamine in the body, but that fluctuates throughout the 24-hour period. It's even got a circadian rhythm where the highest histamine level tends to be in early morning hours, perhaps between 2 and 5 in the morning, where people might experience their histamine intolerance um, during the early hours of the morning. 
that that is a not uncommon experience for people because remember that histamine builds up during the day it isn't i eat a food and i have a symptom as we have in allergy it has to fill up that bu- bucket first and that could take several hours and if it's at a, a histamine uh, uh, level that may be due to a circadian rhythm uh, it could in fact occur uh, what seems to be the middle of the night and person will say well I didn't eat anything in the middle of the night well no because we don't expect the symptoms uh, immediately so it's it's a very difficult to um, measure histamine and say oh you've got histamine excess you can't really do that because of its fluctuation and secondly because you have to wait for it to build up to that critical level before you see symptoms we cannot do uh, the similar uh, um, uh, uh, tests that we would do for a food allergy where you give a patient uh, food and then wait for their reaction within uh, um, a couple of hours for example or even immediately it doesn't happen that way so a diagnosis of histamine intolerance separate and distinct from the conditions that I've already mentioned is not easy to do so as you said earlier a real um method that that is as accurate as we can get would be to try a histamine restricted diet and i have one that is very very effective because there's no histamine containing foods in it you can find that on my um publications uh, and find uh follow that for a week or so and uh, if the symptoms abate you can be pretty certain that you're dealing with a uh, histamine intolerance antihistamines yes we can uh, that will help to break down um uh, that does not help to break down histamine all the, uh, an antihistamine uh does is to block the histamine from reaching the cells that it turns on uh when we experience the symptoms of allergy it does not break down histamine so an antihistamine is not reducing your level of histamine all it's doing is stopping it from causing symptoms so an antihistamine will block the effect of the excess histamine and yes that would indicate that a person is dealing with too much histamine but it's not going to um solve the problem because it doesn't break down the histamine itself. So then Dr. Janis would you say the best place to start is a histamine restricted diet or a low histamine diet? The best place to start is to go to one's doctor and to find out first of all do I have any of these conditions mm-hmm. that could be releasing too much histamine because the histamine diet is not going to solve the problem if you don't uh identify a cause that's causing that histamine but when all that is ruled out yes then go to the histamine restricted diet okay so let's say the patient has gone to their doctor they've uh, rooted out some of the causes they've tried a low histamine diet for a couple of weeks they're feeling better now we're really suspicious they do have histamine intolerance that's correct now is this something that is going to be for the rest of their, their life they have to stay on a low histamine diet or will it get better over time 
Now, that's very dependent on where that histamine is coming from uh, because we've got a variety of different triggers for the release of histamine and one that a lot of your patients and mine, I'm sure, are um, uh, experiencing is stress. Stress can release histamine, as you're very well aware, I know. Um, And this can be a, a tremendous a uh, tremendously important trigger for the excess histamine. So when a person deals with their stress, very often the level of histamine drops sufficiently that they are not dealing with the excess and they do in fact uh, find relief of their symptoms. So it really is dependent on what is causing that release of histamine. Now, if they are dealing with a low diamine oxidase, in, uh, that they've inherited, then it's most unlikely that they will uh, actually outgrow that, if you like, over mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It may. Um, there are diamine oxidase supplements that can be purchased, and this is diamine oxidase that is manufactured and extracted from pig kidney. Unfortunately, at the moment, we don't have any other source that is as um, effective as that. Uh, it's it's um, marketed under various names, histame, histamide, diocin, a, a variety of names that will boost a person's diamine oxidase level just before they consume histamine in their food. It does not enter the body. It will not Um, actually reduce a person's whole body histamine, all it will do will be to break down the histamine in a person's diet so that they can eat histamine in their food and uh, the histamine therefore doesn't enter the body. So there's that possibility. Uh, The low histamine diet, um, but most of all, find out where the excess histamine is coming from uh, and that all of those factors are going to determine whether that's going to be a long-standing condition or whether a person is going to be relieved from their symptoms. There's another factor that I should mention before we end, um, and that is hormone fluctuations. This is very important in women. And sometimes women find at menopause, for example, when the estrogen, progesterone uh, levels fluctuate tremendously, that they are apparently experiencing all these symptoms which they haven't had before. And that's because the hormones affect very powerfully uh, histamine release. And uh, uh, so what we are looking at here is perhaps uh, um, a transient experience for women. Uh, The other time we see this is at menarche, when uh, um, a young girl first starts into um, uh, having her periods, for example, uh, that's when we see this fluctuation of hormones and she may develop hives, uh, a variety of the symptoms that I've mentioned. And again, this may be transient, that it only occurs during this period when the body's adjusting to these changed levels of hormones. So, So, in a a long answer to your question, there are various conditions which will influence whether a person um, does have to go through this for a lifetime, but usually it is um, a transient um, condition 
dependent on what is causing the histamine to rise so high. Yeah, so basically I hear you saying it's complicated. And uh, yes, it takes time, <laughs> just like everything, it takes time to figure out. So for the listeners out there who have, you know, quote, tried it all and nothing has worked for them, they, they just might have histamine intolerance. It's possible. Uh, but even diagnosing that is difficult. Getting to the root cause is really about what it's, what it is. Yes. And then um, where can we find accurate information about histamine intolerance and a histamine-restricted diet and low histamine foods? The most important thing in like, accessing accurate information on anything is to go to an expert source. Be very, very cautious because what we're seeing now, of course, in our modern era of electronic communications is an awful lot of information available to us which appears at first glance to be, uh, oh, that sounds right, I'll believe this. But so often this is coming from non-expert sources. And I've seen a lot on histamine intolerance on the uh, web, for example, where people have had the experience of having histamine intolerance themselves, they've written about it in what appears to be a very expert manner and they bring on board their own particular diets and the way that they look at the diets themselves and people go, uh, you know, get a, a variety of different types of information as a result of this anecdotal um, reporting. Now, be very cautious and make sure that the source is coming from a very well-based, um, um, what we call evidence-based research. Go to a very um, ex- uh, sort of a well-credited uh, source such as uh, a clinic, for, for example, the Mayo Clinic or National Institutes of Health, that type. Do not base your um self-management on these anecdotal reports that we get from non-professionals on the uh, web. So look at the source, make sure that the person uh, who is providing the information has um, at least a medical scientific background so that they, they're very aware of uh, the information that they're giving you is based on uh, good, uh, well managed research and uh, then you can rely on the information that you're um, reading. I think that's the most important thing. And also on the uh, length of time that the reporter uh, has been um, involved in the research. For example, just to give you an example, I started this research myself um, 25 years ago. So I've been uh, developing my protocols and uh, based on other people's research, on my own research, uh, um, published in peer-reviewed journals, um, so that one can rely on that uh, evidence that is very well based in science. Hmm. Dr. Janice, do you um, have a website that our listeners can find out more about you and about histamine intolerance, or is there one of your books in particular that they should look into? Yes, my website is www.allergynutrition.com, and uh, 
uh, readers will find a lot of information on food allergies there. It's it's all food allergies, but there is a special section on histamine intolerance, and I have a um, link to a site that is called Foods Matter, um, where I've answered oh, over a hundred questions on histamine from readers, um, the type of people who will be listening to your uh, um, uh, interview today, um, where their, uh, their questions can be answered. Um, and so uh, from my website, follow that link. And um, hopefully uh, by the end of this year, uh, I will have um, an ebook which is totally devoted to histamine intolerance and all the questions that people have been asking me through the years um, based on uh, my research and research from other well-recognized um, sources, um, which should be available to uh, um, download from the web. So that's another resource that's um it should be available soon. Yeah, when that's available, please let me know. Because I, I, I mean, I'm personally interested as a doctor, because I'm always of trying course. to, you know, learn more. What what am I missing? What do I need to learn about so that I can help my patients? And then, of course, mm -hmm. so that I can uh, also post that in our podcast uh, show notes so that our listeners can uh, get a, a copy as well. Uh, wonderful. Thank you. Dr. Janice, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you. I've enjoyed talking to you. All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Janice jo Jonasia. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.